The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we sing of your character and we praise you for who you are and that all our lives, indeed, you have been faithful. That's who you are. Lord, may we know you and your character better as a result of our time and talking about you here this morning. In your name, amen. You may be seated. All my life you have... Oh, sorry. Forgot where I was there for a second. Um, we... We'll be back in the book of Revelation, 15 and 16 today. However, you know, so far as we've been, okay, something's going to happen here bad. We're going to rip things off here somehow. This is going to trip up. No, I don't know. It'll be, an, it'll be an entertaining show. Maybe it'll go viral. I don't know. We'll see what goes on. But uh, we have been, as we've gone through Revelation, we've seen this thing where God kind of takes us right to the edge of the end times. Like, okay, the end's coming, and then he kind of pulls back, and maybe let's take a peek into heaven, let's see what's going on there, let's look at the worship, and then he takes us there again, and then we kind of pull back, and then we, we, we kind of just see what some of the other things God is doing, and we talk about him for a while. Well, today, as we get into the last seri series of judgments, which are the bold judgments, it's all out. Okay, we're going to the end here. When we did the vile judgments, there were six of them, then we took a pause. When we did the trumpet judgments, there were six of them, then we took a little pause. When we do the bold judgments here today, we're going to do all seven. Okay, so we're going to hit that. Now, before we get to that, though, I want to give you a, an illustration that you can hold on to. And as, you, uh, as we go through these judgments, I want you to keep this illustration in mind because I think it will lead us to the elements that we have in front of us here. I think it'll lead us to the, uh, as we observe the Lord's Supper. First of all, survey question, okay? By show of hands, how many of you have ever been in a drive through line, uh, whether McDonald's or something like that, and the person uh, in front of you paid for your meal? Have you ever been there? Okay, there's quite a few, okay? I mean, maybe a third of us have experienced that. I've actually experienced a couple of times. Now, the last time was this summer. I was at the uh, McDonald's in Granger, and I decided to stop for a, uh, just a uh, large unsweet tea with lemon. So I drive through, and I got up there, and uh, she says, oh, the lady in uh, front of you paid for it. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm probably supposed to pay for the next person. But all I got was a stinking large iced tea. <laughs> so, I, so I looked at her and I said, uh, how much is the bill behind me? She says, you don't want to know. <laughs> and, I, and she said, I said, go ahead. And she says, uh, it's like 27 bucks. Who spends 27 bucks at McDonald's? Uh, but, uh, but anyway, I looked at my wallet and sure enough, there was a 20 and a 10. And I said, okay, here you go. Uh, so this generosity of the person in front of me cost me 25 bucks. But uh, I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, there have been different situations I've mentioned before where somebody that I know has, uh, you know, paid for something for me. Uh, probably the, be the best example we have of that when Francis and I were, 
we weren't married all that long. We had some friends, and this guy, he wasn't, he wasn't super wealthy, but he loved to go to really nice restaurants, you know, the type of restaurant where you feel like the chef is preparing it just for you, and maybe even the chef comes out and, you know, and, you know they have the little drizzle on the plate, and they you know, make it look pretty and everything like that. Now, I was young. I didn't appreciate it uh, because I, I was just like, more is better. <laughs> As you get older, that kind of changes. I was just like, pile it up. Yeah, that's good. Uh, this wasn't that type of place. But he said, I really want to send you there. And it was over by Michigan City. My wife and I were trying to remember the name of it. I don't think it's in existence anymore. It was like an inn. And it sat on the lake. And you go there. And it really was like there's only like five or six couples in there eating. And it's like you had your own personal little chef. But the menu, of course, has no prices. And uh, he just sent us there, and he says, I've called ahead, I've paid for your bill, you get whatever you want. And we did. Uh, and again, they just gave me a little portion, so no, I didn't, I didn't go crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, Frances really enjoyed it, and I was glad she really enjoyed it. And um, we, um, you know, so we, en we enjoyed our little meal there and stuff like that. I didn't find out till later. A couple years later, our anniversary came again. I thought, my wife really liked that, I'll take her there. So I looked up online, and I eventually was able to find their prices. And we didn't go there that year, uh, but, but we thought about it. Uh, but I, uh, I finally realized uh, how much this guy had spent. Okay, I finally realized the extent of how much he had sacrificed, because like I said, it wasn't a guy that had a lot of money. And fortunately, uh, this couple still friends of ours. They're uh, getting up there in years. In fact, he just had birthday number 90, I think. But we have been able a couple times to take them out to eat. I'm glad that we have. Now, you could add those up, and we still haven't paid for what he paid for that, that day. But, uh, but we, we kind of got a sense of actually the price that was paid for us, what was given for us. That's the theme I want you to hold on to as we look at the uh, bold judgments, okay, as those are poured out. I want you to see that because I want us to think about this idea as we talk about the wrath of God. I want you to understand, you know, so often we say this little phrase, you know, Jesus died for my sins. God's wrath was poured upon poured out upon Jesus on the cross. Well, we're going to get a little taste of God's wrath here today, and hopefully we can appreciate just what was paid for us. Make some decent sense? Here we go. I knew that was going to happen. Okay, i got to change this, guys, because I'm going to kill something. I think we're done for the day. There we go. We all right? Everybody's still running? I didn't short-circuit anything? Okay, we're good. And let's go back. Uh, beginning in 15.1, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. Now, we like that little phrase here. In fact, I could probably, instead of highlighting the word wrath, I could highlight the word finish because, great, we've been talking about this forever. Finally, here we go. This is it. This is the end of the story. This is over. Finished. Okay? Uh, finally, these are the last. It is finished. However, I'm actually going to highlight for you the other word for a minute here because I want you to understand that there are two different words in the original language that get, get translated wrath. Okay? One of them means a sudden outburst, okay? It is what every parent in here at one time or another has experienced, okay? No matter how good a parent we've tried to be and no matter how good a parent we have been, there's probably been at least one time when it was just, I can't take it anymore, uh, bam, like that. Now, obviously, we don't want to live like that, but uh, it, it happens that we get like that. Sometimes we have this idea that the wrath of God is like, I can't take it anymore, and it really isn't. The other word 
in the original language is the one that is used here. And what that one means, should have actually got out my notes since I'm preaching here, uh, but it means that this is something that comes from a settled disposition. In other words, this wrath is actually part of who God is. Okay? You know, we just sang about forever he has been faithful. We sang about this character that never changes. Well, we're going to see in the text that we continue to look at that what it is saying here is this is who God is. In fact, let me, let me show you. Let's read on uh, a little bit here that we understand that God does not like it when his creation uh, destroys themselves and when they rebel against him. Uh, let's go on here. Verse number two, and I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered uh, those who uh, maybe their body had been destroyed, but they still they conquered the beast because that's all he can destroy is the body. Anyway, and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. So this thing is called the song of Moses, also the song of the Lamb. A perfect picture of a combination of love and law. Uh, when we think of Moses, we think of the law. The Lamb, we think of love so in this song and here's the song great and amazing are your deeds O Lord God Almighty just and true are your ways again this goes to the character of God who he is O king of the nations who will not fear O Lord and glorify your name for you alone are holy all nations will come and worship you your righteous acts have been revealed Okay, so in the midst of, okay, we're going to now pour out these judgments. Let's focus on again. Now, I mentioned last week, and I just want to remind you how important it is that especially in the midst of difficulty, especially in the midst of those times in our lives when we look and say, yeah, God, I guess you love me because I've heard you love me, but it doesn't look like it. Okay, especially in the midst of those times when you are struggling, that we turn to praise. Because at this time when people are seeing the wrath of God, what is also being revealed over and over again? His praise. In specific, in this passage we just looked at, uh, we see that he is praised for his works. It talks about his deeds. We see that his ways, always righteous and true. We see his worthiness. So in other words, whether or not we like what he's doing, whether we think it's a good idea, we know that he is worthy, uh, that he is, he is worth our praise. And this is, oh man, this is such an important concept that we grasp this whole idea of that this is indeed God's character. When God's judgment is being questioned back in the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verse number 25, we find this phrase, will not the judge of all the earth do justly? Okay, Genesis 18, 25. Now, obviously, that is a rhetorical question. Will not God do what's right? And us being able to learn that and, and begin to trust in the idea that God is doing what is right, because that's who he is. He can do no other. So it is not, God doesn't do, choose to do it because it's the right thing. It is right when God does it. You know, we've mentioned that before about love. God doesn't look and say, hey, what is love? So I have to act that way. The way God acts is love. What God does is right. And grasping that, get, you know, getting a grip on that is so crucial. God defines love. God defines righteous. God defines holy. For the verse that we just read says that he alone is holy. He is separate from his creation. He is unchanging. He is God. There's a famous sermon in the past 
uh, that is just entitled, your arms are too short to box with God. But yet I oftentimes in my life almost want, no, God, no, God, you can't do this. We kind of miss this whole idea of God. (laughs) Yes, he can. He is God. Not only can he, but he will do, and he will do what is right, and he will do what is just, and if God does it, it is a good thing. I used to uh, listen to some Chicago sports talk, and the guys on there um, would goof around all the time. You know, they had their little soundboard where they'd press different buttons. And every once in a while, somebody would call in, and they'd be talking about football. So the guy would call in, and he'd want to start off by saying, well, I played football in high school, you know, kind of like he was an expert. Uh, and, uh, and they had this button that they'd press, and everybody would chime in, we're happy for you. <laughs> so no matter if they said something stupid, you know, we're happy for you. I kind of want to get that button sometimes. You know, I'm happy. It's a way of saying, who cares? Uh, or does anybody really want to hear what you're saying? We're happy for you. But when I hear hear the phrase, I like to think of God as, I want to press the button, I'm happy for you. You want to think of God as that, but we don't get to define God. This is part of the very nature of God as we go through and we look at And I, I can't stress this enough because if we can capture seven words and stick them in our head, it, <coughs> it really does a lot for our mental health when we understand that God is God and we are not or I am not. And I struggle with that all the time. You want to kick him back off the throne. So uh, getting uh, a grasp on the idea of his character. Let's finish this chapter. There's only eight verses in it. After this, I looked in the sanctuary of the tent of the witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came these seven angels with seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen and golden sashes around their chest, just everything that pictures purity and righteousness. And out of the four living creatures came to the seven, I'm sorry, one of the four living creatures uh, gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with the smoke of the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter into the sanctuary until the seven plagues and the seven angels were finished. And I think these verses just emphasize again that these, this wrath, these bowls, come from God. It is only God in there. No one else could enter. It's only God. So if it's coming out of there, this is coming from God. This is part of who God is. Get it? We don't, we don't get to argue with him. Now... Wanted to give you a little illustration here. We started, remember, we have three different sets of judgments in Revelation. We have the vials. Does that look like a vial? It's a vase, but I found it in my closet. And when I Googled vials, they had things that kind of looked like this. So I, I'm, we're going to call this a vial, okay? Uh, so you had vials, you had the trumpets, and you have the bowls. Okay, let's say I want to pour into the bowl. Do you trust me? I'm perfectly safe, aren't I? Look at that. Not a drop was spilled, right? You trust me completely? I was going to do this with grape juice, but you'll see why I didn't in a minute here. Because I have a white shirt, and uh, my, my jeans are also gone. Now I'm going to pour from the bowl into the vial. You trust me now? It's a splash zone up here. First three rows, splash zone. Yeah, we're, oh yeah, we got it. Uh, no problem whatsoever. No problem whatsoever. Point of the illustration is what's different here in these judgments. Okay, you pour out of a vial, you get a nice slow little stream here like that. Relatively, you pour out of a bowl. Watch out. 
Here we go. So what is happening here in this last set is it's coming to an end and it's coming fast and furious. Compared to where we are now, I think when you get to the vials and the trumpets, things are going to come fast and furious. But compared to those, it ain't nothing compared to the time when the bowls get dumped out. And here they come. It's, it, it, it's coming. So we are going to take the time to read through them. I am not going to take the time to elaborate on them because I don't really think they need to elaborate it upon. Okay? I was had to clean up my grammar right in the middle of that. Okay, then I heard a loud voice from the temples telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. Number one. So the angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and harmful pain and sores, I'm sorry, harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worship its image. By the way, I did want to say this. I forgot. If you're looking to say, why are we taking the time to talk about the wrath of God, because truth of the matter is, I would assume that most of you are not going to endure that wrath because Jesus already endured it for you. Now, in a room this size, there's probably some folks who are not believers, but most of you are probably like, hey, I'm not going to experience this anyway, so why should I look at and why should I talk about the wrath of God? Well, partly, obviously, he included in his word, so I didn't want to skip over it. But also, again, I want, us bring us back, I want to understand how awesome the wrath of God is. You know, going back to my little restaurant illustration here for a second, I want us to understand what it is that Jesus, oh, Jesus died for my sins. Sing about it. Let's understand what that really means what he took as far as the wrath of God being poured out upon him. Harmful and painful sores came uh, upon these people, and then the second uh, bowl is poured out, and the bowl into the sea. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, one other thought I did want to say. Uh, this, you might say, well, I, th I think of these things as figurative. I don't, I'm usually a literal guy, unless the Bible makes it plain that it's figurative. I think it's literal. But even if you think it's figurative, anything that is figurative in the Bible, it gives you just a little picture Reality is much worse, okay? So the second angel is poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. And the third angel poured out his bowl in the rivers. Now we're in the springs. Remember judgment earlier, first of all, hit the, hit the seas and then hit the fresh water. That does the same. <coughs> and then a little interjection here in 5 through 7, and I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, here we're going to praise God again. Just are you. Just are you. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Act justly. Yes, he will. O holy one who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. So in the midst of saying these, we're going to stop and say again, God is God, and God is right in what he does. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and they have given them their uh, them blood to drink. It is what they deserved. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. That's the second time we have that phrase in here. The fourth angel then poured out his bowl of the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire, and they were scorched by the fierce heat. And they cursed the name of God, who had the power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl. On the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and the water dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. 
and I saw coming out of the north, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophets, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings who battle the whole world to assemble them for the battle. Look what this day is called. If you're following this, well, let, let me jump ahead and I'm going to come back to this. If you're following this, what is being described here is this final battle of Armageddon. But let's go back and see what he says about it. It says, this is the great day of God Almighty. I thought that was interesting. This is a great day of God Almighty. You know why? He wins. So this is a great day of God Almighty. Now we're going to have this incredible battle that we call Armageddon, the final battle. Uh, Mageddon, or Gedon is, is a site here where there have been over 2,000, I'm sorry, 200 major battles. Um, it, it, the last one, I believe, was 1917, part of World War I. But this is the site where this is going to be. Look at this verse, though. It says, Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who, there's a couple things here in preparation, stays awake and keeps his garments on. Okay, let me just point out here. Remember, stays awake, the idea of being alert, being watchful in that. And secondly, keeps the garments on. The garments the Bible often talks about are the garments of righteousness. Okay? The garments that God made. Remember back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did was try to make some garments to cover themselves. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? I, I messed that up. Uh, they tried to cover themselves with figs. And remember, God said, no, I'm going to make some garments for you. God says, I'm going to do this. Now, there was a price. An animal had to die. But I'm going to make garments to cover you. The garments that God closes us with, uh, uh, covers us with. The gar garments of his righteousness is what we stand in. So <laughs> to be prepared, they are to be alert. They are to stay awake, keeping on these garments that they might not go about naked and be exposed. And they assembled at this place in the Hebrew that is called Armageddon. Let me finish up here with the seventh angel poured out his bowl on the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, great earthquakes such as never been seen. In this time, so great was the earthquake, a great city was split into three parts, and the city of the nation, cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the great, remember that culture of this world that had turned their back on God to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. And the great hailstones, about a hundred pounds each, fell from the heavens on the people, and they cursed God for the plague of the hail, because the plagues were so severe. There's a few weird thoughts I want to give you, again, moving us towards the time at the Lord's table here for a second. The first one is, I mean, it's the way my mom said it, okay? It may not be the best grammar. Careful what you wish for, okay? Anybody else, mom, ever said that? Careful what you wish for? Uh, I think there were a couple of times, not that my family was dysfunctional. Okay, we were dysfunctional, but... Uh, that uh, I can remember one of the children, probably not me, uh, would say something like, uh, I wish you weren't my mother. Mom's comeback was always, be careful what you wish for, because <laughs> I could leave in a minute. Uh, right now, in fact, I kind of want out here. But if you think about this here for a second, and you think about these judgments a little bit, um, they, the Bible says that they slayed people. They wanted blood. They were bloodthirsty in the punishment of Christians. And then the blood flowed everywhere, kind of like you asked for blood, you got blood. Um, 
what was it? What was the first bowl that was poured out? Sores, yeah. Uh, you want a mark? You want a mark? Here, here's here's a mark for you. You want to take this mark? Here, here here's a mark for you. You won't drink of the living water, so uh, maybe uh, we'll give you some of this water that you you don't want so much. And I'm not trying to paint God as vindictive, but I am trying to paint God as just in, in what it says here. And when people decide, and even in our lives, when we decide, I don't have room for God, I don't want a God in my life. I don't want somebody who's running my life because it's my life and I'm going to do what I want. I would just say, careful what you wish for. Uh, you know, when, when we head that direction. Someone said it like this. I thought <clears throat> this is a powerful quote. Those who will not be won over by the grace of God will be overrun by the wrath of God. Ooh. Those who will not be uh, won over by the grace of God will be overrun by the wrath of God. And that kind of moves us into our second little statement that I want you to understand. These things going on, the, the pain and the suffering, the uh, sickness, the disease, all these things going on, we're lousy evangelists because what happened? <clears throat> the people did not repent. They did not turn. Let me go back to my quote. If you will not be won over by the grace of God, you will be run over by the wrath of God. And so often that is the case. You say, well, when people experience the hardship, no, they, they get harder a lot of times towards God and they turn away from him. And that's exactly what happens here at the end times. Uh, their, their, their hearts are becoming harder. You know, they're moving away. So we want to understand that if there was any repentance at all at this time, it was a carnal repentance. Again, I had an opportunity to read a sermon by Spurgeon this week, and, and in there he talked about the idea of carnal repentance, which is the repentance that basically says, I will say I'm sorry so I can get, because I'm sorry I got caught. And that is so often what we have. We think of that sometimes, you know, with kids. You know, I'm sorry, what are you sorry about? I'm sorry I got caught. You know, I'm sorry I'm in trouble, and if I, you can just get me out of this punishment. But true repentance says, hey, you know what? God is completely just in anything that he does. God has the right to do that. Okay, so therefore, um, you know, what, whatever I have, whatever punishment I still have coming, I get it. You know, un understanding that it is not just so I can get out of what's going on. Sometimes our very repentance needs to be repented of because, because we're so uh, self-focused. True repentance says God is just. And I've earned what I've gotten here. A third thing though, and most importantly, as I read of the judgments of God, this phrase comes to mind. How incredibly great is the love of God. See, Here's the thing about these judgments. I deserve them. Okay? I deserve the judgment of God. I deserve the wrath of God. Partly because of the human race which rebelled against God that I am part of. Partly because, if you want to say, because of my individual sin, I deserve them. So when I read of the wrath of God, you know, sometimes in our human hearts we say, Oh! I don't like to think of God that way. And again, all I can really say is I'm happy for you. You can, sit, you can believe whatever you want. But I hope instead you'll look and say, hey, wait a minute. Our God is holy. He is just. This wrath is part of who he is. 
and I deserve that wrath. But here's the awesome thing, folks. That wrath will never again target Jesus Christ. And it will also never target me because I am in Christ, or if I am in Christ. When I have trusted him, the Bible says that through faith in him, he, that, that's, what, that's the terminology the Bible uses, I am in him. Okay, If that wrath will never target him, I am safe in him. And I, and I will never experience that wrath. So that's why I say that this kind of points us to where we are right here. Because we, uh, we take a moment and we take a wafer. In this case, this week it's an oyster cracker. But we take this and we say, uh, but we, we remember what Jesus did. And he said, this is my body. I suffered for you. <laughs> we get a little look today at the bill that he paid for us. Okay? I suffered for you. I took the wrath of God. You don't have to. Okay? So we remember that he's done this. Then we take the, uh, the cup here. And we remember that his blood was shed. His life was poured out on that cross. And we remember that. And again, I, you know, hopefully my goofy illustration uh, resonates a little bit just in, in that idea. You know, eventually I figured out what this guy did. Okay, a guy that I knew didn't make much money and still doesn't have much money. I knew what he had sacrificed so that I could have a nice meal. And I thought, you know, hey, I'm going to get a chance. We did take him out for steak and lobster last year. Uh, but still, I didn't come close, trust me. Uh, but, uh, but the point is, I look and I say, hey, look at the price that was paid for me. And we worship him in that way. So I hope today, like I said, uh, you know, I prayed at the beginning. I was excited when I walked through here and the worship team was singing that song just about that you have always been faithful, you've always been there because I want you to see that God's character is perfect and never changes. And we may not like in our minds every aspect of it. Seriously, we, we might not. It might not resonate with us. doesn't matter. God is God. And we don't get to challenge him, and we, don't, and we don't get to say, we don't like how you do things, God. It kind of comes with the whole God gig. He gets to do that. But then also, I just hope that as we read and uh, spend, spend the time looking at the idea of God's wrath being poured out, we understand that if, I, if I've trusted in Christ for forgiveness of sins, I will not experience that wrath. Christ took that for me. So I hope today, as you take the wafer and as you take the juice, that that means something. You know, you kind of take that and hold on to that. The song they're going to play goes with this idea, how great a love. The hymn is, how great the Father's love for us. And I want to encourage you just as you take the time, what's going to happen here in a minute is they're going to start to play. Folks are going to get up. They're going to pick up a wafer and they're going to pick up a cup and take it back to their seats. But I hope during that time you can reflect a little bit on how incredibly great the Father's love for us is today. This is what we call open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of our church. We invite you to take part in it. But the one restriction, or one restriction that the Scripture places on it, it says if you believe in Jesus, if your faith and trust is in Him, is in him and if for that or any other reason you'd, you'd rather not take uh, communion today, please, you're very welcome just to stay and observe. 
but we're going to go ahead. I'm going to pray. The music will begin, and you'll see folks come up, and you can get in line here. There's also a table back in the, in the middle of the auditorium to pick up a wafer and a juice, but I encourage you to kind of pray along and sing along with the hymn also as we go. Father, yeah, God, I had to pause here for a second because I, I get doing that a lot of times where I fire into, I forget I'm talking to you. Um, forgive me for that. Forgive me for just jumping into the being on stage and forgetting who I'm talking to. God, may we never take lightly the phrase, Jesus died for our sins. May we understand your justice. And because of that, may we even in a greater way understand your love. Would you even, would your spirit please take this time to cement, cement those into our hearts right now, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.